We all carry at least a little narcissism in our hearts. Traits that belie underlying pride and entitlement. But what happens in marriages when narcissism is a defining feature? And how can spouses of narcissists learn to best cope with this issue? The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to OYF.support. Once again, that website is OYF.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have a very special episode for you this week. Special. Well, that's the narcissism thing, right? Special. This is episode number 168, and today we're going to be talking about narcissism and marriage. Happy New Year, everybody. We'd like to welcome you back to our regular weekly programming, and we hope you enjoyed your Christmas and New Year's holidays. Do make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. And if you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice, and most of all, we offer hope. And uh, we also offer counseling at onlyyouforever.com. But let's get into the topic of narcissism, which actually can be one that can feel pretty hopeless sometimes. But, you know, this is the first time, Verlinda, I've really looked into how to work with a narcissistic spouse, like sort of really honed in on that niched issue. And I'm glad to report that there is hope. It can be very difficult to live with narcissism. And no doubt some of our listeners today feel the reality of this, but there is hope. I think this is becoming more like, I don't know if it's a buzzword or if it's actually becoming more and more prevalent. But you hear people talking about this more now. It is becoming a more common term. Like narcissism. I've I never think that social media has, has kind of helped oh. because we all, that's where we tend to project an idealized version of ourselves, right? which is a narcissistic trait. Okay. Yeah. So what does narcissism look like? So narcissism either comes as a personality trait or traits. So uh, when I cover these, Verlinda, the tricky thing is you'll probably notice that we all exhibit some of these characteristics, at least on an occasional basis. So for example, showing a sense of entitlement in marriage, like you deserve to have something done for you by your spouse. Mm-hmm. Like we all got a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Like, will you give me a foot rub? That's Well, that's okay. That's a request. Oh, is it? Oh, phew. And the answer is no. But... <laughs> But this does not necessarily mean that you have narcissistic personality disorder, right? Uh-huh. It's the, the actual personality disorder is a whole another level above narcissistic traits. So let's look at the traits and then let's look at the disorder. Okay. And I'll give you a foot rub later. Oh, thanks. So narcissistic traits, you'll need to stay awake though. This is a little bit longer of an episode. Okay. You look very pleased with yourself. Well, I'm pleased with the thought of getting a foot rub later. Okay. That's good. So narcissism as a personality trait is defined as belief in one's own superiority, a sense of entitlement and a need for admiration from others, and displays of dominant, controlling, or manipulative behavior, and a disregard for the needs of others. So I'll get stuck a little. Sometimes I'm going to use the word narcissism to refer to traits and sometimes to disorders. So just take it in its context as we go through this, because it's hard to keep it all straight. It's hard to pronounce it sometimes too. But Narcissism does not produce a universal sense of superiority in this case, but it leads to folks with this thinking that they're better in certain areas which they value. So narcissists are often prone to extreme jealousy. They can have a very fragile self-esteem. 
because their sense of self-worth is directly tied to their ability to feel and be seen as superior to others. So as long as I'm better than you, I'm feeling good about myself. Okay. So it's a very comparison type thing. It can be quite a bit, yeah. Now, just remember anytime we talk about this sort of abnormal psych stuff, and I alluded to this earlier, but it's easy for any any one of us to freak out and think, wow, like that is me. I'm so messed up. I was already thinking that. Right. Especially for something like this. You know, if if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, as Verlinda and I are, and you understand that the Bible talks a lot about pride, and you see the pride that exists in your life, as I see pride in my own life, it can be easy to go from thinking that we have the normal set of pride issues that come with our broken humanity to thinking that, wow, maybe I have a huge personality problem, actually. Mm -hmm. But just stay calm. Think this through. Talk to the people who know you best and who'll be honest with you. So, you know, take, for example, beliefs in one's own superiority. Here's a good example, right? So I'm the guy who tries to nail the best parking spots when I go to the store. Yes, you do. As close to the door as I can. Mm-hmm. And I don't park in any handicapped spots. That's moral superiority on that part, of course. <laughs> but when I nail an awesome parking spot, there's some major gloating that happens. So uh-huh. you don't need to affirm all these <laughs> self-criticisms quite as ardently for Linda. So the gloating happens, right? And... But just because I do a few things like that was much better because I do a few things like that, which involve the belief in one's own superiority, like who's the Mac daddy for finding these parking spots Mm -hmm. or a sense of entitlement. I deserve an awesome parking spot because I'm the guy that does that. Uh huh. It doesn't mean I'm a narcissist or at least that's what I tell myself. Right. But you know what? Seriously, you know what I mean? Yeah. If sometime you don't get a good parking spot, it is like the end of the world. Like this is so humiliating to be parking at the back of the parking lot. I just do that for drama, though. That's not actually. Oh, so men have drama too, hey? Uh, let's move on. So, narcissistic personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about you now. <laughs> <laughs> I think, and again, I think all of us, like we're, gonna, we're going to display some narcissistic behaviors from time to time, right? Yeah. So you see yourself as being better than me because you're not the person who gets upset when they park further away. No, I just feel really good when I point out the spot like you were going to park like four parking spots down and I point out the one like right by the door. That feels really good. That's good for a little bit. Is that moral superiority right there? I'm not even going to go there. So there is there is this much smaller subset of the population, though, that have that would exhibit regular narcissistic traits. Oh, so we were just talking about traits before. Traits that people show from time to time. Now we're talking about a personality disorder. And when I say personality disorder, this is in the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistics Manual. It's the the book in the USA by which uh, mental health issues are coded. Okay. Okay. So this, the NPD is what I'm going to call it, narcissistic personality disorder. It's the most severe situation. It affects about 8% of men and 5% of women. And the definition from the DSM includes things like pathological personality traits, such as antagonism, grandiosity, and attention-seeking. It includes impaired individual functioning due to unreasonably high standards and the need for approval from others in order to form a stable identity. And it talks about impaired interpersonal, that's between people, functioning due to a lack of empathy and intimacy. And characteristics of those with the disorder include an insatiable appetite for the attention of other people, behaving as if they deserve special treatment, commonly exaggerating their achievements, talents, and importance, finding it difficult to maintain healthy relationships, having fantasies regarding their own intelligence, success, power, and good looks. If they have to take advantage of others to get what they want, they will, without regret or conscience. Sometimes you have to crack a few eggs to make an omelet. Respond to criticism with anger, humiliation, and shame. Where's the omelet? It's just the idea of sometimes you have to take advantage of others to get what you want. Oh, I see. Okay. 
So narcissistic personality disorder, and to a lesser extent, subclinical narcissism is occasionally associated with moderate levels of distress in the individual and depression and anxiety, but it's also sometimes linked to higher levels of functioning and mental well-being. So these people can also make outstanding Fortune 500 leaders mm-hmm. and occasionally presidents. Hmm. However, it's consistently linked to very high levels of distress for those around them. As one of the researchers quoted, the mind of a narcissist is like a sports utility vehicle. I think it's more like a tank, but we'll just roll with their picture. It is great to be in the driving seat, but fellow motorists must watch out lest a conclusion with this mobile fortress demolish their more humble hatchbacks. A collision, maybe. What did I say? Conclusion. Oh, yeah, collision. So those are the characteristics generally, but we want to help specifically with narcissism and marriage. That's just kind of about what the individual experiences. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about how these traits impact marriage so you can make sense of why your marriage is the way it is if you're married to a narcissist or you're learning that you are someone who struggles with narcissistic traits or possibly even has the disorder. But we've also created a bonus guide called Bringing Out the Best in Your Narcissistic Spouse. And we'd love for you to get a copy of this. It is PG-rated. By becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People, once you become a patron, you will get access to this on our Patreon page. And it's very easy to sign up and download. We'll just take a quick 60-second break to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about narcissistic traits and narcissistic personality disorder. Let's talk about this in marriage for Linda. Okay. So... Researchers have noted that narcissistic traits lead to relationship dysfunction over time, but not initially. So there was a study in 2015 where they interviewed 146 newlywed couples over the first four years of their marriage, and they found that narcissistic traits in either husbands or wives predicted a sharp decline in marital quality over time and increases in marital problems such as conflict. The effect of wives' narcissism was stronger than the effect of husbands, and specific traits of entitlement and exploitative behaviors were the strongest factors. So those are the most difficult things. They did speculate that the effect of wives' narcissism may be stronger because men are expected to act more self-interested and boastful than women generally. Like just socialize that way? Yeah. So narcissism is seen as more normal in men and more problematic in women. Oh, that just makes me angry inside. Okay. Would you like to talk about your anger? No. Okay. Narcissistic relationships may function well at first for both the narcissist and their spouse. At the start of the relationship, the narcissist sees it as a way of enhancing themselves and increasing their own happiness while seeing very little cost or investment into the relationship. So this is the solar system orienting itself around the sun. Okay. And the narcissist is the sun. The narcissist will be good at presenting themselves positively, may come across as confident and charismatic, 
They're excellent at the first impression, masters of that, and that because they're working hard at that at the start, it could lead to higher satisfaction for the spouse. Mm. But over time, the traits start to become harmful to the spouse while the narcissists themselves are required to invest more into the relationship because that's how marriages go, even if you're kind of faking it at the start, which they will not be motivated to do. They're not motivated to invest. So how, like... How do you spot a narcissist then so you don't get stuck in this relationship? Because everything's going to be seem fine and dandy at the beginning. Well, that's kind of why we covered the traits at the start. But I think it's kind of the, uh, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Just watch for the grandiosity. Mm. Watch for the entitlement. Okay. Like watch for someone who's like seeing you as an extension of themselves instead of your own person. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just if, yeah, it's good to study them. Yeah. Now, Let's talk about their beliefs and goals. Narcissists often have very specific beliefs and goals when coming into a relationship. They'll aim to choose to marry someone who enhances their own status, power, or self-image. Okay. And so they're often drawn to people who are attractive and successful. They will also pick spouses who are very attentive and affectionate towards them to enhance their own self-esteem. So they're trying to meet the needs of this fragile ego that they carry. Yeah. And here's a fascinating observation. Despite being drawn to socially desirable spouses... Narcissists do not see their spouses as being especially desirable. This is just terrible. In one study, narcissists rated their partners as being no better than average on measures of attractiveness and desirableness while rating themselves as higher than average. Oh, Caleb. That is just such classic narcissism. Yeah, but like in the meantime, they find a socially desirable spouse. Yep. But they don't actually think they're attractive. Like they're cheating out their spouse in so much. Yes. Uh, But remember that they're wounded. So compassion for Linda. Compassion. Hurt people, hurt people. Mm-hmm. So because probably as a young child, they were not affirmed in any way. There's a void of affirmation in their lives. Mm-hmm. They never got past that developmental stage of like a two or three year old in that part of their personality. Wow. Yep. Okay. Intimacy. Narcissists are interested in self-enhancing behaviors and attitudes more than they care about communal interests. So I'm more about taking care of me than the community. As a result, in marriage, they're most interested in their own needs and in seeking sensation and excitement, like the gratification, the personal gratification, Mm -hmm. while valuing their own traits of power and dominance. They're less interested in traits and actions which benefit both them and their spouse. Things like intimacy and warmth and concern, right? Those mutuality kind of Mm -hmm. ideas. Again, often seeing relationships as a way of enhancing their own pleasure at the expense of the spouse. Wow. So, of course, that's going to reduce the quality of the relationship. It's going to make for less intimacy. Yeah, absolutely. Broadly. Now, for for yeah. the couple for the, for or the for spouse. the spouse? Like, does the narcissist think they have it all going on? Or Well, there's delusions of grandeur, so they do think they have it all going on. But oh, it's not okay. really satisfying. Yeah, yeah. And so this, the lack of intimacy then, like, I mean, like the full person interest, the mutuality and reciprocity and all that stuff, this impacts sexual satisfaction, which should not really surprise us because the narcissist is usually more interested in physical pleasure rather than the emotional connection of sex. So sex is a means to personal pleasure. It's for just that, let's please myself right now, right? Mm -hmm. So going through those details, you can really see that this is a different way of seeing the world, right? Yeah. And granted, all of us married folk at one time or another, we're, we're going to pursue sex purely for pleasure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But really, we, we do generally have this drive for connection, for being mm-hmm. with someone, for being seen and known and loved and appreciated. But for the narcissist, it's almost like it's just this more reductionistic approach where something like sex that has is so complex and so grand, if mm-hmm. you will, it's reduced to a way of producing something pleasurable for myself. 
That's sad. Well, it likely feels very selfish if you're married to a narcissist, right? Yeah. The whole sexual experience. Yeah, for sure. Now, there's also quite often there's issues with commitment and infidelity. And again, studies have shown that narcissism is linked to lower relationship commitment and higher infidelity in uh, the world of sex addiction treatment, which I do as part of my practice. We talk quite a bit about narcissism. Oh, really? Yeah. Not all narcissists are sex addicts, but a lot of sex addicts are narcissists. Okay. Okay. Now, the reason for this are interesting. They're a little complex, but they do make sense. We talked about the investment model in the episode on how pornography impacts marriage. But the investment model states that any relationship or commitment, rather, is determined by three things. One is satisfaction with the relationship. Two is investment in the relationship. And three is the availability of alternatives. Okay. So narcissism will affect all three of these because there is naturally, there's going to be this reduced relationship satisfaction because it's more about one person over the long term than both or the couple. That then demotivates the narcissist to invest in the relationship because the investment is pointed selfward. Okay. And because there's, they're going to be carrying an inflated view of their ability of their awesomeness that... That means like they're the person for finding alternative partners, like because they're attractive, desirable. Is, okay. And okay. to search for that and to validate that. Right. To right? make them yeah. feel good. Huh. Wow. So there's more that we could be say about that, but I think we'll just leave that for now. But probably there's a spouse listening today. You're married to a narcissist. You've probably been blamed for affairs. And I want you to know in this case, it's not your fault because there's probably very little you could have done to stop the narcissist. And ultimately, he or she needs to take ownership of these broken parts of their life and seek to find healing and recovery. Yeah. That's something they need to take responsibility for. Yeah. It doesn't make it any easier to live with that. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But sometimes it helps to know. To know. Yeah, exactly. It's not your fault. Yeah. If you've been blamed, especially. And as part of this, then there's often mind games and abuse. And again, not all the time, right? Okay. But narcissists often use relationships and other people as a means for self-enhancement. They do this by seeking and expressing superiority or dominance over others by drawing attention to themselves through extravagant behaviors to attract attention. Okay. And when their attempts to prove superiority are thwarted, narcissists can become aggressive or they can take credit for their partner's accomplishments on the other hand too, right? So they're going to take credit or come out on top somehow. And so they often adopt sort of this game playing style of love where they aim to get exactly what they want from the relationship, status, power, physical pleasure, while putting in or contributing as little as possible. Wow. So they're going to come out on top no matter what, even if it means crushing the other person. Fragile ego. Breaking the egg to make the omelet. Yeah. Wow. Here's a quote. We suspect that the ideal solution for narcissists is to begin and maintain a relationship with a partner using charm, extroversion, and confidence. This gives narcissists access to positive attention, esteem, and sexual resources. They would be careful to keep this relationship from becoming too intimate or emotionally close, lest they lose control. Finally, narcissists would covertly seek out other potential romantic partners. This strategy would allow narcissists to maintain power and freedom in the existing relationship. Likewise, it would allow narcissists to garner esteem and sexual access from additional partners. And finally, it would offer narcissists an easy transition to another relationship if their current relationship ends. That doesn't sound like a great relationship to be in. It does not, no. So this kind of mind game that goes along with this, um, Mm -hmm. the control that can happen there, the manipulative behavior often constitutes emotional abuse. It can spill over into physical abuse. A study from 2008 found that abusive husbands often displayed an egocentric style of behavior referred to as sexual narcissism, in which they held an inflated view of their own abilities while having a reduced interest in closeness and lower sexual satisfaction overall. 
So again, at the end of the day, narcissists are a very wounded people, but in their attempts to fill that wound and to protect their incredibly fragile egos, they end up destroying a lot of other people and relationships. And that's why it's so difficult to be in relationship with them. Like they, they have value because they are created and they bear the image of God, but it can be so painful to relate to them. Mm -hmm. Very difficult. So let's come to this topic then of how to help your narcissistic spouse. Most of what we have to say in this particular area is in the bonus guide for the episode, but we're nearly out of time. Uh, yet, here are some thoughts to get you started in case you're not able to become a patron today. Narcissism as both a trait and a personality disorder are very difficult to change. And this is partly because they reflect core components of the person's character, which are very resistant to change. And partly because the narcissist will not want to change because they have a very high view of themselves. So why would I need to change? Right. This is your problem, not mine, right? Uh, so they're not motivated to get help. Yeah. They do need good psychotherapy, but when you have that inflated view of yourself, why would you think that you need therapy, right? So this is the dilemma. But in those moments where they feel they've failed in some way and they've really run into like, like that's that can be particularly crushing for them, mm-hmm. right? Like more so than a non-narcissistic person? Yep. Okay. Or because their fragile ego is proven how fragile it is, right? Okay. Or if they've been unable to prove themselves superior in some way, like they've had a flop, those moments may provide the motivation that you need to get some help. Okay. Like when they hit rock bottom sort of thing. Yeah. Or crash Crash. at least in some way. Okay. What's interesting though, is when specific traits and attitudes are worked on that like narcissistic traits or attitudes. Yeah. The trait narcissism can actually be positively correlated with relationship satisfaction and psychological well-being. So in other words, you can take what you're confronted with and work towards pointing that in a good direction, right? So let me unpack that a little bit because there's two areas where this can be worked on. One is like we've we've alluded to the self-esteem, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a study in 04 that found a positive link between subclinical narcissism and a range of positive outcomes. Now the link was entirely mediated by the levels of self-esteem. So where the self-esteem was high, the narcissism could actually have a range of personal and couple benefits, including daily and long-term well-being for the narcissist and their spouse, reduced anxiety, reduced depression, reduced feelings of loneliness, low levels of neuroticism. Okay. So this is just by boosting a narcissism's self-esteem? Yes. If the self-esteem is higher. Wow. Because again, like these, often these people can be very successful because they're go-getters. They're very social. They make a great first impression. Mm-hmm. But if we can like reduce the fragility of that ego that's back in there by working on strengthening self-esteem, mm-hmm. then they can move towards making all of that less about themselves and more of a mutual okay. thing is how I see that going. Okay. So that's one area of improvement. There's this other thing called communal activation, which is a process that was described in 2009 in which a narcissist can be taught to think more in terms of others and less about serving their own needs. And I think this is where the Christian community can really help because this is done by priming them with thoughts about caring for others and acting in a way that benefits other people. Simply presenting those thoughts or giving those ideas to them causes the narcissist to place more value on commitment and on actions that benefit the spouse as well as themselves. Even though you're helping other people. Yeah. Huh. And this priming process produces an immediate short-term effect and it also increases commitment levels over time in married couples which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And it increases the narcissist's thoughts and motivations towards caring and empathy and concern for others, which is often the part that's missing oh. or a big chunk that's missing, right? And engaging in the process eliminated the lack of commitment found in many narcissists and in some cases brought their levels of commitment to above what is normally expected in married couples. 
So wow. in a follow-up study, the, the same researchers asked people high in narcissism to discuss their own personal goals. And when their spouse made them feel loved and cared for during this conversation, the narcissistic spouse would later report higher levels of commitment to the relationship. Because so, they were loved and cared for while discussing their own personal goals. Yeah. Huh. So I'm going to... I'm going to support, it's like if you're the spouse who's not the narcissist, you're going to support and care for and hold them Mm -hmm. while helping them achieve altruistic goals. Oh, like caring for others. Yes. Oh, okay. So overall, like while this can be like a very difficult kind of personality to work with, and honestly, not every spouse may have the ability to do that. Okay. Um, and do remember, like, if you are in an abusive situation, you need to prioritize your own safety, right? Mm-hmm. But but it's great to see these other things coming in, too, because it shows that there is hope. There are things you can do to help yourself, to help your spouse. And the more educated you are around these, the better equipped you are to handle all that goes with this kind of situation. Yeah, because that would be a Narcissism. hard situation. It's a tough ro- road to hoe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All okay. right, Caleb. So we just have an iTunes review to wrap up with. We do. It's our first uh, one-star review in quite a while. Yeah, it says, Too Preachy, One Star by Maddie Hotpants. Is it so hard to make a marriage podcast that isn't overly and painfully religious? Their fixation on the evils of porn is especially annoying. So... Thanks for the review, Maddie Hotpants. Yes. And he's right. We've definitely concentrated on pornography over the last few months. We have. And, you know, my response is this, that we're in the business of saving marriages and porn is part of the competition. That's what we're working against. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we're going to speak to it. And while it's easy to pin one's concerns on the values that come from their belief system, you know, because it's kind of very blaming the whole thing for being religious, religious right? Yeah. But there are large websites like nofap.com, yourbrainonporn.com that are devoted to addressing the problem of pornography and they're secular. Yeah. Reddit has a busy section on their site devoted to discussing how to break free from pornography and masturbation. The Washington Post, the New York Times, they're ta- starting to talk about the detrimental impacts of pornography on society. There are three of the states in the United States of America that have declared pornography to be a public health crisis. Um, so this is not something that's only seen as a problem by religious people. There's plenty of independent secular evidence and research to attest to the quote unquote evils of porn, as you call it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Maddie, your position is becoming increasingly unpopular and is not well supported. Right. Faith or no faith. I think it's sad that they use the name hot pants. Like, I just feel like that's objectifying themselves. Right. Right. And you're more than that. Yes. So. Next week, Caleb. That's our response to that, but thanks for taking the time to leave us a review. Hopefully, uh, we've given you a little bit to think about as well. Next week, we're going to talk about how to be more a more thankful spouse. So gratitude is a huge thing in marriage, right? Yeah. And I don't, I don't think we've actually done an episode exclusively on that, so that's good. I think we did. Did we? Well, not, but it was pretty shallow. It was like, it was why you need to appreciate your spouse. Three ways to appreciate your spouse. Oh, yeah. Something way back at the beginning. Okay. Well, we're going deep this time. Good. That is all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 168. Find out how you can help marriages. Go to oyf.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. 
Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.